Before you open your Bibles, well, you can actually start turning there. You should be know where we are in John chapter 15. It's the last of our four studies in this specific chapter. Um, but just a little thing to help you with God's Word. Put your specs on. S-P-E-C-S. What do I mean by that? I'm, I have to wear them anyway. Otherwise, who knows what I could come up with here. As you open God's Word, here's a little something for you to remember how to approach God's Word. And I thought I'd just add this in, you don't have to pay any extra. As I read this passage this morning, S, is there some sin that's being pointed out to me? And that God is going to point out in my life as I read His Word. Is there a promise that I'm going to come across that I can hold on to? Because it's in God's Word that I'm reading today. So there's the P for you. E. Is there an example of someone here that I can follow? C. Is there a command that the Lord wants me to obey? Remember, commands are not optional. Commands are there to be followed. Given by a supreme commander to us. The Lord Jesus Christ. So is there a command to follow? And then, is there a stumbling block that I can try and avoid this week and be warned of? So there they are again. Is there a sin? Is there a promise? Is there an example to follow? Is there a command? And is there a stumbling block to be made aware of? Specs. Put your specs on. Let's read God's Word together as we come to John chapter 15. And we're going to read the whole chapter. We've been studying this chapter. Let's read it. And I'm going to carry on into chapter 16 and read the first four verses of that chapter too because it's one unit. So let's see what God's Word says to us. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit... He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would not love you as, sorry, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. And that's from Psalm 35 verse 19. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you, to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes you may remember that I told them to you. After dragging the bloodied pastor out of the ten foot hole and lifting his body onto his shoulders Raji walked home carrying a heavy burden. Earlier that day Raji and about other 20 other Hindu radicals had attacked Pastor Suta with sticks and rocks for sharing the gospel in their Hindu village in Rajasthan, India. They beat the pastor until he lost consciousness and left him bleeding in the ditch. Following the attack, Raji was overwhelmed with guilt. As an informant who, who was paid to inform the Hindu radicals about any Christian activity in his village, he wasn't supposed to feel this way. What happened? asked his wife, Asya, sensing something was wrong. I've persecuted an innocent man, he said. We have beaten him seriously and we threw him into a ditch. I never felt so guilty in my life. He was innocent and we have beaten him. Raji's admission of guilt led to an argument with his wife, Asya. Good on. She didn't understand how her husband could assault another person. 
She also feared the wrath of Suta's God. If he is a good man, she said, then why did you do that? Go bring that man into our home. We have to take care of him. After Raji returned with the pastor, Asya began treating his wounds. She wiped the blood from his face, bandaged his wounds and gave him pain medicine. He couldn't talk or eat until the next day. Once he could speak, Asya asked him the question that had been nagging her. Why did you visit our village? I've come to tell you about Jesus Christ, the pastor said. The Jesus Christ who heals sick people, who helps the poor and delivers them. Hearing this, Asya brought her sister-in-law, who had been sick for months, to Sutta for prayer. In her presence, Sutta again shared the gospel and prayed for their healing. Two days later, the sister recovered. And news of that healing spread throughout that village. Those who had attacked Sutta came forward to ask his forgiveness. A total of 40 villagers, including many who had attacked Sutta, accepted Jesus Christ. They even started a church. Now a Christian, Raji knows that he too could be attacked. There are others in the village who are angry about the recent conversions. For Raji, Raji though, the risk is worth it. I am happy in the presence of my Lord, he now says. What a testimony of God's grace. That's from Voice of the Martyrs, just a recent publication. There is no fine print in the kingdom of God. If you go and buy insurance, sorry to the insurance agents who might be among us, but there's a lot of fine print, blah 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 at the end, right? There is no fine print in the kingdom of God. God warns us from the beginning that there is the offence of the gospel we'll have to put up with. Not the offence across our lives, but the offence that the gospel message brings to others and they will try and take it out on us. We have to take up the cross of following Jesus Christ. And that's written in bold print all across God's Word. If you look at the various examples in Scripture, right through the history of Christianity, from the Old Testament right through to the New Testament, of all those who were martyred for speaking the name of God or of Jesus Christ later. There is a price to pay for following Jesus Christ. He continually warned his disciples of the offence of the cross. Galatians chapter 5 verse 11. And I believe that there would be much less backsliding and also a lot of less walking away from the church if more of our churches were more faithful in our teaching of this from the beginning. You see, Jesus wrote in chapter 16, verse 1, He said, I've given you all these things, I've said all these things to you, why? Here's the reason for why He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Here's the reason. To keep you from falling away. You see, He knew what would happen to His disciples very shortly after this. And if you look in, just glance ahead in your Bible in the book of John, you'll see there's a few more conversations and then He's taken to the high priest. And after that, the persecution starts. Jesus said, I've told you all these things 
Why? For the very purpose of keeping you from falling away. And if you listen to these things and take them to heart, you will not fall away. What's he talking about, falling away? Not our position in Christ, we know that. Once we are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, we are safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. But, he's speaking about our relationship with Jesus Christ daily. I've given you these things and told you these things to keep you from falling away in your relationship with me. You know your heart and I know mine. This is where we struggle. I've given you things to keep you from falling away. The literal translation is to keep you from stumbling in your walk. Stumbling. You see, Jesus knew that His disciples and you and I today are weak. Many times we're spiritually immature. And when those hard things come against us in life, when people start speaking against us because we are believers, that's when we start falling away. That's when we start doubting. That's when we start stumbling. And so He's given us these things as words of encouragement. In His day, persecution would come across His disciples' path very soon. He says in verses 2-3, to Very soon you'll be cast out of the synagogues. Now to us that's kind of no big deal. So if they tell me don't come back to church, it's kind of a bonus, I can go play golf, right? Gives me a bit more time in the week. It wasn't like that for them. The synagogue was their whole lifestyle. In the Jewish world, if you didn't go to synagogue, if you weren't accepted as part of the synagogue, you were cast out of your society. Your family would cast you out. They would not speak to you. You would be written off to that family. I have no son, a father would say. I have no daughter. You wouldn't be allowed to trade with anyone in that village. If they knew you weren't part of the synagogue, they wouldn't allow you to buy food. Where would you get your food? You'd be cut off from employment. No one would give you a job. You see, it was a big deal in Jesus' day. But us in our day, so easy. People walk out of church for the smallest excuse. Stay away. Jesus said they will cast you out of the synagogue. There's a price to pay for following me. There's no false optimism here, you see. It's often taught in easy believism. Give your heart to Jesus Christ and all your troubles will be over. No, my friend. Give your heart to Jesus Christ and many of your troubles will start. We've got to be upfront with it. And yes, there's great good news to be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ because you can be saved for all eternity and Jesus will lead you in your life But, there's a price to pay. You will suffer for being a believer. But we're not suffering alone, you see. We are in the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. And when we suffer, Christ will give us what we need to make it through those situations. You will experience persecution. And when that hour comes, says the Lord to His disciples, remember what I've said to you. The world will hate you. And now I'm back in chapter 15, verse 18. The world will hate you. You see, there's a real stark contrast here. What did we look at last week? We were looking at love. 
How are we to love each other? We are to love each other with the love which Christ puts in us. And we are to love each other in such a way that the world takes note. Wow! Look at the way those people love each other. It must be something outside of them. And they get pointed to Jesus Christ. But now the contrast to that is the world will hate us because of this message we bring to them. Why is that, says Jesus? Because they hated Him first. Verse 18. Where did they hate Him first? Well, there are quite a few examples. Luke chapter 4, verse 28. The people in the synagogue, after Jesus brought them a message saying who He was, they were so filled with rage that they drove Him right out of that city. Luke chapter 6. The scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, the ones who are supposed to Support Jesus in what he said because he was speaking the truth. Because of what he said, they were so filled with rage, they discussed what they might do to him. And we know what do to him means. Take him out. The religious leaders. When Jesus performed that miracle, we drove that evil spirit or the evil spirits out of that man in the Gerasene district. And he drove them into that herd of pigs. And the pigs ran over the cliff and the whole economy of that village was affected because they all survived on those pigs. That they were selling to the Gentiles, by the way. They asked Jesus to leave their district because they were gripped with great fear of him. Not fear just of him, but of fear of what would happen now without an economy. And then Herod. Jesus would soon appear before Herod. And Herod with his soldiers treated Jesus with contempt and they mocked him. And see, the world hates us because Jesus says they hate him first. And if you wear the badge of Jesus Christ on your life, if you wear the cross of Jesus Christ on your life, they will hate you because they hate him first. This is what Jesus says, not me. His word says this. And then he reminds his disciples, he says, you are not of this world, but you are chosen out of this world. You see, the reason the world hates you lies outside of you. You thought it was all about you. The world hates me. Woe is me. It's not about you. The world hates you because of a reason outside of you. It w- the world hates you because you've been chosen by Jesus Christ before all time and now they've visibly seen Him choosing you as well out of the world. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. This is what it says. Ephesians 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Think about that. Before time existed... Jesus chose you. And then, at some point in your reality now, in time, He chose you out of the world of darkness. He brought you out of it. And the world takes note. And they hate you. Because they hate Him. Because you are no longer one of them anymore. You see, the disciples that were sitting in front of Jesus... They'd been chosen out of the world of darkness. Matthew, Levi, 
who became Levi, and Peter, who was Simon. They got to know about Jesus indirectly through others, but Jesus chose them out of the world and He changed their lives. Andrew, Philip, who had been sitting right in front of the Lord, had been drawn away from the world into the kingdom of heaven, and now they lived lives which are different before the world. They had conversations before the world which were different than what they usually had. Their attitudes were now different to what they were before. And the world hates them because they're different. Even their religious world hated them. Look what happened to Stephen, the martyr. He was killed by the religious world of the day. Scribes and the Pharisees. And Paul before he was converted. So here it is. Here's the truth. The more closely you and I are identified with Jesus Christ, the more we will attract the hatred of the world. I'm going to say that again. The more closely you and I are identified with Jesus Christ, says this text to us, the more we will attract the hatred of the world. Why? Because the world suspects and dislikes anyone who refuses to conform to its standards. That's why they hate us. I got Sandra's permission to do this, but yesterday at the funeral, I sat next to a lady. I won't say who she was. She said, what do you do? I said, I'm a minister at a church. She said, why are you here? This isn't a Christian, this isn't a religious um, funeral. It's kind of the attitude. See, there's that bit of twist in there. Why are you here? And here it is. How do we react to this? You see, the inexperienced Christian thinks that I'm to blame for the hatred of the world against me. It's because of who I've become. That's why the world hates me. It's because of what I'm saying. That's why the world hates me. And they start imagining that if only I'm more kind to the world, to those around me, my family members, if only I'm more gentle towards them, if only I'm more humble towards them, if only I'm more Christ-like, then maybe this antagonism against me will get less. Unfortunately, that's not the truth. Now, I'm not saying become less Christ-like. But I am saying just expect opposition as you become more Christ-like. You see, the truth is the more Christ-like we are, the more we will be antagonized and shunned by the world. And if Christ, who was the purest one, was despised and rejected, the world will not shy away from despising and rejecting us. Your family will reject you. They will say things about you. They will call you weird. They will call you obsessed. Get off that one track. Come on, make a better use of your time. They will say these things. But you live out Christ to them. They don't hate you. They hate the one who is in you, says Jesus. And then the contra is also true. So if the church becomes like the world, then the relations with the world will be quite amicable. And so we have churches who are filled with unbelievers because they come for the show. They come for the entertainment. They come for what is not much different to the world. They come for a message which is so watered down that there is no message at all anymore. And they're attracted to that because it's so much like them. And so we have the message coming out from the, some in the church about same-sex marriage and that's just an example in past history now in New Zealand. 
where the message was, we will just accommodate. The Lord says, be different, because I call you to be different. Don't bow to what the world demands. But when you do stand up, the world will brand you as a bigot. The world will brand you as a fundamentalist, as they do in our media, very quickly. You see, Jesus warned through, the, through James, chapter 4, verse 4, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. My friend, my brother and sister in Christ this morning, I plead with you, choose. Who will you serve? Jesus Christ. And if you do, choose Jesus Christ. And continually choose Jesus Christ through the relationship you have with Him every day. Are you willing to bear that cost and pay the price for following Him? Because there is a cost to be paid. You see, Jesus said, verse 20, A servant is no greater than the master. He warned his disciples. The heathen world would, would be bound to hate the infant church. We saw that um, in recent church history, straight after these events that followed over here. They hated the Christians. The Christians got branded. Now listen to this. The Christians in Jesus' world got branded as immoral by the non-Christians. Why? Because they weren't worshipping the emperor and the gods. And therefore they were immoral. The Christians of Jesus' day were branded as cannibals. Why? Because they heard that they ate of the bread, ate of the body and drank of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so they got persecuted because they were cannibals. We must get rid of these cannibals amongst us. They got branded as revolutionaries and troublemakers. Why? Because they were spreading this new religion which was anti the religion of the day. You and I are to follow the religion that Jesus calls us to, which is a lifestyle of a Christ follower. And But when we do, the world will brand us. They will persecute us. What were the reasons for the world's actions, Jesus says? Because here it is, verse 21, they don't know the Father. Why do, will the world persecute you? Why will your families persecute you? Because they don't know the Heavenly Father. There's the reason. It's not about you and your personality. It's about the Father. They don't know Him. Do you see the need for the Gospel message? Because if you can introduce Him to your Heavenly Father, then they will stop hating Him. They will start to love Him for what He's done. So we need to introduce them to our Heavenly Father. It's Him they don't know. That's why they hate us. Jesus continues, verse 22 to 25. He says, There is now no excuse for sin. There is now no excuse for sin. This word excuse is an interesting word. It's a word which in the original means to put a cloak around. So it's, I have a reason for doing something, but there's an excuse. I put a cloak around my real reason. I have an excuse. He says that there is now no more cloak around sin. You see, before Christ Jesus came and He preached the truth with its scalpel-like intensity, which cut to the core of people, 
People would get away with all kinds of sin. Even in the religious world. And in their own eyes, they thought they could get away with things. For years we've got away with it. They killed the prophets. We don't like what they say, we kill them. In Jesus' day, the Jewish religious leadership, they were tweaking all the rules that they were, that God had given to them. They were making up their own commands. Why? To cloak their own sin. But when Jesus Christ came and He preached the message which was straight down the line and hit their hearts, there was no place to hide. There was no more cloak for sin. Jesus says, I have come so that there is no more excuse for sin. That's why they hate us. That's why they hate me. And now the question is there for you and I. And I want to ask this only as a question. I'm not accusing. It's a question. If you and I don't encounter the hostility of the world, does that mean that Christ in us can't be seen by the world? Why do I say that? Because Christ said we will encounter hostility. Just think about that. If I look no different to the world, I will not encounter hostility from the world. But if I look no different to the world, I am cloaking my sin. If you're an unbeliever here this morning, if you do not yet know Jesus Christ, He has come. He has brought His message that can save you. There is no more cloaking of your sin anymore. You need to come to Him. He is exposing you. Come to Jesus Christ. Let Him take that away from you. Let Him take that sin from you and in its place give you peace of heart and in its place give you a new life. He says He will do that for you too. Let's not cloak our sins anymore. There is no place to hide before Jesus Christ. And the second reason he said people hate him is because prophecy was fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 says this, People hated Jesus because it was prophesied. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. It was prophesied and so they hated him and prophecy came true. So, the so what of this passage this morning is this. How do we then counter, how do we react to this antagonism that we as human beings, as Christians, can expect from the world? How do we come against it? How do we react to it? Do we withdraw from the world? For years, Christians have been withdrawing from the world. They've established cloisters, monasteries, Christian communities. And they've gone and hidden themselves in those communities. Is that how we to counter this hostility from the world? Run away. In your family, how do you counter and react to hostility? Do you run away? Do you hide behind something? You know, in our churches, we hide behind Christian activity. There are so many Christian activities filling up our lives. There is no time to interact with the world. And maybe I fill my life with all these things because I don't want to interact with the world. It's safer inside the church. So do we withdraw from the world? Or do we resort to retaliation or revenge? The Crusaders tried. 
in the name of Christ. Islam calls for a jihad against all those who would not believe. Do we start a Christian jihad? In response? No. You see, God has given what doesn't make sense to the world. What is so opposite to the ways of the world. He says no. To meet this hatred, you come with a spiritual fruit against it. What is that spiritual fruit? The fruit of inspiring testimony of who Jesus is. When the world hates you, tell them more about me. When they want to push you aside, tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't leave us alone, verse 26. When the Helper comes, or who's named the Encourager, he's the Spirit of Truth, he will tell you what to say. He will show you how to come to the world. He's been sent by Jesus from the Father to come and work in us. And what does he do, this Spirit? He testifies about Jesus Christ. To who? To us. And He does such a work in us that we can't but help and speak to others, you see. And if you feel that you can't speak to others, come back to the first step. Is the Holy Spirit testifying in your heart about Jesus Christ? Because if He encourages your heart, it doesn't matter who comes against you. You will be out there. And you will speak God's word. And you will speak about God's love with no fear at all. It doesn't matter who you're speaking to. God will encourage you. His Spirit will give you the ability. And you will testify about Jesus Christ. Do you see what he says? Don't come against them with armies. Don't run away from them. Speak out. Stand up for Jesus Christ. And I will give my helper to you, the Holy Spirit. And that is the result of being in the vine. He allows us to be spirit-filled believers who can bring a spirit-filled message to the world around us. Something that the Lord takes and it speaks into the lives of others. We've had that here at this church recently. People who've been attending the church and as they've interacted with us as believers and as they've sat under God's Word, they've come to saving grace. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. Praise the Lord for that. It's not about us. It's not about our good looks and how good Christians we are. It's about the testimony of Jesus Christ going out from this place. And so we are to face the world who hates us with the testimony of Jesus Christ in us. John Stott put a warning to you and I as believers. He's a famous... He's dead now, I think, yeah. Famous dead guy. He said this, and please listen to this. And I'm nearly finished, so please listen to this. Testimony is not a synonym for autobiography. You see, many of us land in the trap when we want to tell about Jesus, we tell other people about us. No, no. Tell them about Jesus' work in your life. Yes. It's all about Him. Tell them about His life. Don't tell them how good you are. It's not about autobiography. It's about a testimony of who He is. His story in my life. And who will help you? The Holy Spirit will help you to glorify Jesus Christ in that testimony. Why? It's His job. His task is to help us to testify about Jesus Christ. 
And so if you are in the vine and He is in you, then His Spirit will help you to testify about Jesus Christ. Allow Him to do that. And yes, sometimes it will mean you go into a situation and you're not quite sure what to say. Depend on the Spirit in that moment. Start telling that person about what Christ has done in your life. And very soon the Holy Spirit will allow you to flow that conversation and He will direct that conversation to where that person needs to hear the Gospel. And many times it's not where you thought you were going to go. They hear what they hear because the Spirit is speaking to them through your testimony, which is about Christ. I want to encourage you in that. You see, so many of us are scared of speaking our testimony because I think, I, I don't know what to say. And so in the past I've encouraged you and I encourage you again this morning if you don't know what the basic core gospel message is it's like an electrician not knowing how to use a screwdriver and how to put things together again electrically. You need to know the tools of the trade. Jesus Christ has worked an amazing work of the gospel message in your life because you were saved. Now you need to know how to verbalize that naturally and then allow the Holy Spirit to use that as you tell the story of Jesus Christ in your life. And when you do that, it comes across beautifully. And people hear and they're touched because it affected your life. And Christ is glorified. There's the challenge to you and I. You want to see more of the fruit of Jesus Christ in your life, which will glorify your Father? Do you want to stand firm in the faith? Then abide in the true vine, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let His love abide in you. Abide in His love. Let His word abide in you daily. Love one another as He has loved you. And then testify to the world about that great love of Jesus Christ to you which is available to them. And the world will know that Jesus lives through us. He uses imperfect vessels like us. You want to look in the mirror and see an imperfect vessel. God uses you, vessels of clay, to break and bring the gospel of light out from us. Be used by Him. Put yourself in the Spirit's hands and He will use you. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, yes, Lord, we want to be broken vessels that let out the light. But Lord, help us in that essential relationship with Jesus Christ so that you will bring all those fruits that you have promised into our lives and that others will see through our lives and through our witness to them that you live and that you love them too and that you want to have a relationship with them if they will only come and bow that knee to Jesus Christ. He will give them life. Lord, may we be the messengers of grace. Use us for your glory and to build your kingdom soul by soul. Amen.